Antimicrobial stewardship is regarded as a cornerstone of improving antimicrobial prescribing as one of the solutions to antimicrobial resistance. Living in low- and middle-income countries, implementing stewardship can be daunting and also somewhat bewildering. For this World Antibiotic Awareness Week, we will be talking about establishing antimicrobial stewardship teams in hospitals, the trials, the tribulations, and the triumphs from a low-middle-income setting. My guest today is Dr. Pranika Jaglal. Welcome, Pranika, to the show, and please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Pranika Jaglal. And I'm a clinical microbiologist based at Krishani Baragunath Hospital uh, in Soweto. I'm a lecturer teaching both undergraduate and postgraduate students. My passion is AMS, AMR, and IPC. And um, thank you, Vin, for this invite. It's great being here. Awesome. It's lovely to have you here, Pranika. So just a couple of reminders before we head into the episode. Remember to sign up on the MicrobeMail website to receive email updates on episode releases. You can also subscribe to MicrobeMail on your podcast player of choice. Follow us on social media for episode updates and sometimes just a general chat about microbiology and infectious diseases. You'll find MicrobeMail on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Vinita, Rowan and I are also on LinkedIn, so you can find us there as well. Help us spread the love of microbiology and infectious disease podcasting by sharing this show amongst your network. We're trying really hard to reach further into Africa and other low and middle income countries in Asia and South America as well. So if you've got a friend, a colleague or a student in any one of those countries, please do go ahead and pass the microbe mail contagion on to them. Last but most definitely not least, we would love for you to pull out that five-star rating for us on your podcast player of choice. Now, this is not our first antimicrobial stewardship episode. So when you're done listening to this episode, remember to circle back to episode six, A is for antimicrobial stewardship, to hear the fundamentals of antimicrobial stewardship. And then you can head on to episode 11, Don't Be Left Out, Antimicrobial Stewardship Considerations for Outpatients. Okay, Pranika, are you ready to talk about the trials, tribulations, and the triumphs of antimicrobial stewardship? I'm ready, Vin. Let's go for it. Awesome. So, Pranika, what do we mean by antimicrobial stewardship, and why do we need to implement this in our hospitals? Well, antimicrobial stewardship is a set of measures adopted by an organization to optimize antimicrobial use improve patient outcomes while reducing the burden of antimicrobial resistance, healthcare-associated infections, as well as healthcare costs. So the use of the term antimicrobial stewardship, or AMS, has grown in recent years, where although AMS originated within the human healthcare sector, it is now increasingly applied in broader contexts to include both animal and health and plant health under the umbrella of One Health. So we need AMS to improve how antibiotics are prescribed by clinicians and used by patients. Mm -hmm. Improving antimicrobial prescribing and use is critical to effectively treat infections, protect patients from harm caused by unnecessary antimicrobial use, as well as combat antimicrobial resistance. So essentially the fundamental goals of an AMS program are firstly to engage with the healthcare practitioners to prescribe the five Ds of antimicrobial therapy. And these five Ds stand for 
the right drug given at the right dose using the right administration, drug administration route, a suitable duration of therapy, as well as timely de-escalation to pathogen-directed therapy. Secondly, to prevent antimicrobial overuse and abuse in both inpatient and outpatient settings. Thirdly, to reduce antibiotic-related adverse effects, such as Clostridioides difficile infections. Fourthly, to minimize the development and spread of antimicrobial resistance, OMR. And lastly, to reduce healthcare associated costs. So, Pranika, that was a, a wonderful summary and a, and a really great place to start. But I just wanted to add on to that, and, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners listening know that we're in quite a high burden resistance setting. So we see a lot of carbapenem-resistant enterobacterales, carbapenem-resistant acinetobacter balmanii, and as well as carbapenem-resistant pseudomonas aeruginosa. And I'm focusing just on the gram negatives, but we know that there are other resistant pathogens um, which might be circ circulating in other parts of the world. But just when it comes to antimicrobial stewardship interventions, is there any evidence for AMS interventions stratified by outcome? So, for example, with CREs, crabs, and CR pseudomonas aeruginosa, can we stratify based on outcome when it comes to incidence and prevalence and patient-specific outcomes? Yes, Vin. In order to assess the AMS interventions, there are measures that are used. And monitoring outcome measures are an essential part of any AMS program. So microbiological outcome indicators may be assessed uh, looking at incidence and prevalence of multi-drug resistant organisms, such as carbapenem-resistant enterobacterales, carbapenem-resistant acinetobacter bomani, as well as carbapenem-resistant uh, pseudomonas originosa. And of course, not forgetting uh, the resistant gram-positive organisms that you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. So laboratory surveillance of these MDROs are important in terms of AMS as overprescribing selects for antimicrobial resistance. So microbiological data is extracted from the laboratory information system and antibiogram analyses for different clinical units allow us to understand the local AMR epidemiology in a facility. This also serves as a surveillance tool for outbreak detection. So here we see that AMS is essentially a marriage of both antimicrobial management and infection control practice that needs to work hand in hand. We definitely need to curb AMR and preserve the limited antimicrobials we have. Monitoring patient clinical outcomes is also an important outcome indicator. And healthcare associated infections, or HAIs, are commonly caused by MDROs, the multi-drug resistant organisms. So by determining the number of HAIs within a period of time at a specific ward or ICU, looking at the clinical success rates, the adverse antimicrobial effects and length of hospital stay, these are also crucial for determining the impact of AMS interventions. Okay. So it is quite measurable. Yes, definitely. Do you think all hospitals in South Africa, and when I say all hospitals, um, these include primary, secondary, and tertiary level hospitals, should they all implement an antimicrobial stewardship program? Yes, but most definitely all hospitals in South Africa should implement an AMS program. According to the South African uh, Department of Health, it is a requirement that all healthcare facilities establish a hospital AMS committee 
to provide mm -hmm. oversight and coordination for AMS activities at a specific institution. So the Antimicrobial Resistance Laboratory at the National Institute for Communicable Diseases in 2021 reported a 40% antimicrobial consumption rate by humans with an alarming rise in gram-negative MDROs from both private and public healthcare sectors in South Africa. Mm. So in smaller healthcare facilities, the AMS clinical leader may sometimes be the only member of the AMS program. And where the AMS clinical lead is not a doctor, a pharmacist or a nurse may be identified to provide medical advice and support to the AMS team. But very importantly, the AMS team members should be given the responsibility and the authority required to perform the AMS activities. So in this regard, the healthcare facility administrative and managerial support are quite essential. Okay. And so on that note, then, how can a hospital that doesn't have an antimicrobial stewardship program go about establishing one? It may be perceived initially as a daunting task to establish an antimicrobial stewardship program. However, there is light at the end of the tunnel. So seeking advice from more expert existing stewardship teams or existing mentorship programs in other hospitals as well as sharing tools, resources, and experience may be helpful. It may be worthwhile to visit and establish antimicrobial stewardship program and attend AMS ward rounds, which can provide insight into the program development and implementation. However, technically speaking, when planning to start an AMS program, a situational or SWOT analysis should be done. So this looks at the strengths, the weaknesses, opportunities, and threats that may be present at the outset. It also helps in determining how ready the facility is to implement the AMS program mm. and assists when developing a facility AMS action plan. So this situational or SWOT analysis can be conducted using a checklist of healthcare facility core elements as present in the WHO AMS toolkit. So in essence, all AMS programs require four basic components. Firstly, the structure that includes a hospital antimicrobial stewardship committee and an AMS team. Secondly, facility level interventions. So these include the use of local guidelines for antimicrobial prescribing and pre-prescription authorization and prospective audit and feedback systems. Thirdly, the patient level interventions. So these are for implementation of AMS activities. And lastly, or fourthly, the monitoring and evaluation of AMS activities. So when getting started, it's imperative that you identify which structures, policies, and guidelines are in place, and which are critically in need of being in place. Identify human resources, such as the staff, to be involved in implementing the AMS activities. So these would be your AMS team members. Identify challenges related to prescribing practices. Also review existing surveillance data on AMR and cumulative antibiograms by the facility if these are available. Identify any existing AMS activities in the facility or the walls that can be built on and made sustainable. So a situational analysis assists in developing now the healthcare facilities AMS action plan. And this is uh, in order to ensure that there is accountability, that the AMS activities are being prioritized and that the progress is being measured. So this generally includes the following uh, key components. So leadership and commitment to provide oversight of the AMS program, 
Accountability and resp responsibilities of the multidisciplinary AMS team are important. A dedicated champion should be appointed. In terms of AMS actions, the AMS team conducts regular ward rounds and identifies areas for improvement. There should be prescriber education and training on appropriate antimicrobial use. Monitoring appropriateness of the anti antimicrobial use in awards or at facility level can be performed through audits or point prevalence surveys, PPS. So point prevalence surveys are undertaken on a single day to audit inpatient wards. And data is generally collected um, in two forms. One is a ward form that has the number of beds or the number of patients admitted on the day of the survey and a patient form for recording detailed antimicrobial prescription, such as the type of antimicrobial use, the dose, duration, administration route, indication, and diagnosis. Also, reporting and feedback regarding healthcare facility resistance rates, as well as updated antibiograms to help inform clinical guidelines on empiric antimicrobial choices for the hospital units are important. Reviewing data on antimicrobial consumption and use is important. So measurement of antimicrobial consumption should be performed with regular benchmarking of these figures and discussion between the prescribers, the pharmacists, as well as infectious diseases specialists. Developing a budget for the AMS program is also crucial. And this includes human and financial resources required for the day-to-day -day running of the program, as well as for education and training of the AMS team and healthcare professionals. It is paramount to ensure that the, there is facility-wide engagement in the AMS program, as this is empowering to the AMS team in order for them to undertake their tasks. It was a really good outline um, of all the things that are required. And yes, I think maybe some of the listeners might be thinking it is quite daunting, but um, it's quite useful to know, and Pranika, you mentioned it as well, the WHO AMS toolkit um, and just for the listeners, we'll try and make sure that we put that in the show notes so that you can find access it um, fairly easily. You already mentioned it briefly, Pranika, but who are the members that constitute an antimicrobial stewardship team? It's a, this is basically a multidisciplinary antimicrobial stewardship team made up of different healthcare professionals who collectively possess um, the competencies and are able to undertake functions to successfully deliver and implement the AMS program within their healthcare facility. Ideally, the AMS team should comprise of a prescribing clinician, a pharmacist, a nurse, and a clinical microbiologist in facilities with a microbiology laboratory. If available, an infectious diseases physician, a clinical pharmacologist, and a nurse with expertise in infection prevention and control, or IPC, are also recommended. So the AMS team need dedicated time to implement the program and their role should ideally be in the job description and performance contract. And in addition, a clinical leader for the AMS team should be identified who has sufficient training in antimicrobial stewardship and infection management. So where possible, you, you try and include whoever you have access to, essentially. Your team might not consist of every one of those people but I, I guess you try and include as many as you can. Definitely. The AMS team can also be a single person, as I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. perhaps just a, a clinical doctor or maybe um, a, a nurse or a, a pharmacist. 
who has the capabilities to conduct the AMS activities. Correct. Okay, great. And then you already alluded to this previously, but can you touch a little bit more on what the essential roles are of the Antimicrobial Stewardship Committee? Well, the Antimicrobial Stewardship Committee seeks to provide oversight and input into the development, implementation, and ongoing review of the AMS program. So in South Africa, the Hospital AMS Committee is mandated to provide six monthly progress reports to the Provincial AMS Committee. So the Hospital Antimicrobial Stewardship Committee may either form a standalone committee or maybe incorporated into the agenda of either the hospital's IPC or another clinical committee. Mm -hmm. So the AMS committee members should meet regularly, at least every two months. And the presence of a senior hospital executive who has authority and who is in charge of the budget can be instrumental in achieving the key initiatives of the program. Mm -hmm. So there are various actionable items that are decided by the committee. Firstly, the AMS strategy is decided by the committee, such as bedside rounds, when, where, how often, as well as prescription chart reviews and targeted interventions for quality improvement in the facility with regards to AMS. So the interventions directed towards stewardship include antibiotics timeout, prior authorization, and prospective audit and feedback. With the antibiotic timeout by a physician 48 hours after initial of antibiotics helps reassess the need and choice of antibiotics when more diagnostic information becomes available. And it also allows for early de-escalation of antimicrobials. Prior authorization intervention requires a review of certain antibiotics, antimicrobials by an infectious diseases specialist. Secondly, developing and implementing facility-specific treatment guidelines based on the local susceptibilities using antibiogram data help to optimize antimicrobial selection and duration. Thirdly, pharmacy-driven interventions are performed, especially for um, antimicrobial dose adjustments based on organ dysfunction, as well as therapeutic drug monitoring. So the pharmacy interventions also alert the prescriber in cases of unnecessary overlapping spectrum of antimicrobial coverage, mm -hmm. as well as in detecting mm -hmm. drug interactions related to antimicrobial use. Fourthly, tracking and reporting of antimicrobial use and outcomes are important. And fifthly, um, education and training by giving regular updates to prescribers on antimicrobial prescribing, antimicrobial resistant, resistance and infectious disease management may also be in the form of an AMX course that's offered uh, to facility staff. So AMS really can actually be a full-time job in itself with all of the work that needs to be done. And we know that we're in a resource-limited setting where, you know, it's just a part of uh, several other priorities or commitments that individuals have within the hospital. <clears throat> so where, where the stewardship committee is limited, would you say that there are any special units or wards or particular areas of the hospital that you would recommend antimicrobial stewardship ward runs um, take place where it would be particularly beneficial? Yes, it may be beneficial to start AMS ward runs in high prescribing departments. Mm -hmm. So your routine AMS ward runs um, should be done in clinical areas with high antimicrobial use. Mm -hmm. For example, the intensive care units 
transplant wards, hematology oncology units, perhaps even the burns units as well. Mm. So this ensures that the AMS team expertise and advice are readily available to these high prescribers. Mm. Generally, um, a consultant or senior fellow from the treating unit attends the AMS ward round to discuss issues directly, um, including the selected champions, in order to give real-time feedback on the prescriptions. So basically, everyone on the round has a voice and becomes involved in the learning discussion points of prescribing. The frequency of the AMS rounds really depends on the size and resources of the hospital, as well as the, the case mix of patients. So generally, an AMS team should aim to perform AMS rounds at least twice per week, especially in these areas of greatest need, for example, the intensive care units. I like what you mentioned about everyone having an opportunity to be involved in the discussion. And just to then reiterate that antimicrobial stewardship ward rounds are not policing rounds. They are, in fact, inclusive ward rounds for everyone to discuss and make the right decision for the patient. It's also a great opportunity. As you said, one of the mandates is education. Um, and these stewardship board rounds are a great place to undertake um, education, particularly of the more junior staff members. Most definitely. So you've been involved in antimicrobial stewardship at Barra for quite some time, Pranika. So can you tell us if you've noticed any benefit post-implementation of the antimicrobial stewardship committee um, and implementation of the AMS ward rounds there? Yes, there has been positive change in the prescribing practices of clinicians uh, at my facility. So education on antimicrobial classes, the spectrum of action, appropriate usage, as well as ad hoc prescription chart audits have strengthened the AMS program. And recently there was a point prevalence survey that was also conducted. So cumulative antibiogram review and discussions has led to updated empiric antimicrobial guidelines for various clinical units in our hospital. Surveillance of um, healthcare-associated infections and outbreak management partnered with the IPC committee has also improved patient outcomes. So I think in terms of AMS, um, we are still progressing, but of course with COVID, a lot of the interventions were interrupted. So it's just of the recent year or two that we have resumed um, the AMS ward rounds and our regular AMS committee meetings. Yeah, I agree with you there. COVID actually caused quite a disruption in otherwise well-established stewardship programs. And it takes you quite a few steps back to have to kind of re-establish um, the principles and appropriate prescribing practices. So we'll catch up on that one again in the near future. Again, this is another one that you mentioned earlier, but maybe you can give us a little bit more insight into how one can measure and monitor the impact made by the antimicrobial stewardship team. So measuring the performance of the AMS team is crucial. At the outset, um, a set of measures may be selected, which are the structural process and outcome measures to assess the impact of the AMS interventions. So with the structural measures, the healthcare facility core elements that is present um, in the WHO AMS toolkit can be used as a checklist for assessing the structures of healthcare facility AMS programs. For example, whether there's leadership commitment, uh, the AMS actions activities, education and training and so forth. 
With the outcome measures, this is actually a crucial part of any AMS program to study the antimicrobial prescribing and use over time. So either antimicrobial consumption surveillance data, PPS data, or order data can be applied. Mm -hmm. The most sustainable and least laborious way to measure antibiotic use over time is through routine collection of antimicrobial consumption data. Looking at the defined daily dose, which is the DDD, per 100 patient days or admissions. A simple way to initiate further analysis uh, of the consumption data is also to look at the proportion of the defined daily dose in AWARE and other groups. So the AWARE classification of antibiotics um, was developed in 2017 by the WHO Expert Committee on Selection and Use of Essential Medicines as a tool to support AMS. So antibiotics are classified into three groups, the access, watch, and reserve, take into account the impact of different antibiotics and antibiotic classes on antimicrobial resistance. Electronic medical records linked with um, electronic prescribing and medication management systems can also improve surveillance of antimicrobial usage and appropriateness of the prescribing. However, as you mentioned, when most lower middle income countries' healthcare facilities lack you know, these modern um, aspects. Mm. Other outcome measures, indicators um, that can be uh, used are the study of patient clinical outcomes, um, such as inpatient mortality and length of stay. So this is recommended to ensure that the implemented AMS interventions do not have negative consequences for the patients. So lastly, with the process measures, uh, process measures or indicators are often used as a proxy measure of improvement, mm -hmm. meaning that antibiotic prescribing practices are moving in the right direction. Mm. So these would include compliance with current clinical treatment guidelines, um, length of therapy guided by the indication, whether a 48-hour prescription chart review is performed, the number of patients where de-escalation from the initial therapy is performed, as well as the, the intravenous to the oral switching of patients who are on intravenous therapy. Thanks, Pranika. So that's quite a good outlay um, on, on measuring and monitoring tools. And, and you've brought in some things that um, may be not so accessible in a low-income setting. So on, on that note, can you tell us what the challenges might be or one might face when trying to implement AMS programs, particularly in a low- and middle-income setting? And maybe you can give some of your personal experience um, as an example. There can be numerous challenges um, while implementing an AMS program um, and some challenges that I've experienced basically related to the AMS team, mm -hmm. especially when starting the program. So the novelty is always um, exciting. However, gradually it appears as though, you know, the participants who have ventured into the stewardship program are not motivated enough to pursue it till the end or maybe overworked or understaffed or working in a stressful environment. Um, they tend to give up easily. Yeah, it's a difficult and, and thankless job often. So I suppose that lack of interest kind of, the, or the interest dwindles when you don't really see obvious outcomes. Yes, yeah, so clinicians tend to um, lose their interest when the outcomes uh, of patients um, are not achievable, you know, in a short space of time. Because obviously, the AMS interventions are, are long-term and it's something that we monitor long-term as well. 
Mm. So also um, the absence of periodic and refresher training is another problem uh, that hinders AMS activities. So new members uh, in the program may be inadequately trained. Mm-hmm. And this may be a challenge that may be experienced. Also, um, a full multidisciplinary team, like we mentioned previously, may not always be available. So, for instance, the infectious diseases physician or the uh, clinical mi- microbiologist are not present within the team. And so these expertise, if, it, if they are needed, may have to be sought externally. Okay. And in terms of challenges related to patients, so doctors may experience the undue pressure from patients or even their families to prescribe antimicrobials, even when they do not require them. And this can be really challenging uh, for the clinicians. Also, in terms of um, the facility management, commitment is crucial for implementing the antimicrobial stewardship program. Mm. And if they are not involved, funds may not be allocated towards the program. And there may also be a lack of commitment from the facility staff to also adopt the program. Yeah, those are very, very real challenges that everyone faces. So considering that we're in low and middle income settings and we have all of these challenges to implementing stewardship, Pranika, can you suggest any novel strategies to assist with implementation? A significant proportion of healthcare takes place in small hospitals and many are located in rural areas. These usually do not have adequate resources to implement on-site antimicrobial stewardship program. So telehealth, which is a relatively novel strategy, may be an answer to this challenge. Mm -hmm. So specialist antimicrobial stewardship services can be sought using a telephone that is staffed by an infectious diseases consultant and a clinical pharmacist during AMS rounds. So this was actually implemented in a rural Australian hospital and a significant improvement in both adherence to treatment guidelines and appropriateness of antimicrobial prescribing was observed. Mm. And in addition to this, the education of staff regarding appropriate use of antimicrobials was also conducted by telehealth. Mm. So it proved to be very helpful, you know, in these rural hospitals. Right. Something else useful that I came across, um, antimicrobial care bundles, mm. which may be quick and useful for prescribers. So basically, a care bundle, care bundles are used in healthcare as a way of improving the processes of patient care and patient outcomes. Mm-hmm. So a bundle comprises of a set of three to five evidence-based practices that when performed collectively and reliably have been proven to improve patient outcomes. So with that in mind, there is an antimicrobial treatment bundle. So at initiation of treatment, the prescriber, point one, provides a clinical rationale for antimicrobial initiation. Two, sends the appropriate specimens to a, a diagnostic microbiology laboratory. Three, selects the antimicrobial according to local policy and having considered the patient risk group. And four, considers removal of any foreign body, drainage of pus, or other surgical intervention as appropriate. So during continuation of treatment, there is one, daily consideration of de-escalation, intravenous to oral switching or stopping of antimicrobials based on the clinical picture and laboratory results. Two, monitoring of antimicrobial levels as required by the local policy. So there's also a surgical prophylaxis bundle 
which entails one, selecting antimicrobials that match local guidelines. Two, time the first dose to be within 60 minutes pre-incision. And three, stop antimicrobial administration within 24 hours of the preoperative dose or the first dose after post-prescription review. So these may be in the form of a checklist so that no points are skipped and can be really useful for the prescribers. Those are really great ideas. I really like the antibiotic bundle. So Pranika, before I ask you for your take-home message, it's been a while since we've had a spotlight feature and particularly a mini microbe message. So it's wonderful that we've got a very special mini microbe message to listen to today because it is a message from Pranika's very own daughter. So let's take a quick listen to what she has to say. Greetings at links. My name is Swastika Arjun and my mission is to fight antimicrobial resistance. Let's help in preventing antimicrobial resistance together to infinity and beyond. Ah, oh, Pranika, that is such a sweet message. And it sounds like she struggled a little bit with this idea of antimicrobial resistance at first. Did she have a ton of questions about what she was trying to say when, when you explained it to her? I think for her, it was, it was actually a mouthful to pronounce the words. <laughs> she's like, hmm. I tried to make it a sort of, you know, exciting alien spaceship mission. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're basically telling her that antimicrobial resistance is coming here via aliens from space. <laughs> <laughs> Something along those lines. <laughs> okay, Pranika, do you have any take-home messages for our listeners? Yes, I do. My take-home message would be that although initiating or even sustaining an AMS program may feel like a daunting task, but take it step by step. Plan, strategize, and include all stakeholders. So in this era, AMS is crucial in curbing antimicrobial resistance and saving lives. And this holds true for the theme of the World Antibiotic Awareness Week this year, preventing antimicrobial resistance together. So and thank you so much, Vin um, and Vanita, for affording me this opportunity. This has been a captivating experience for me. Um, I've also learned a, a whole lot on AMS. Um, Micromail is definitely a, a trendy platform for all the micro plans. And thank you so much for affording me this opportunity. It's been great having you on the show, Pranika. It was really wonderful chatting about AMS and, and getting all of your experience. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of the listeners who's going to take that on um, and take it into their own practice in hospitals as well. I hope you'll be able to join us sometime again in the future on another episode of Microbial. Thanks so much, Vin. That'll be uh, wonderful. Can't wait. Listeners, we always love receiving your feedback, questions, and comments on our episode. So let us know what you think. And please also help share this with your colleagues, teams, and students. And one last reminder for that five-star rating. So until next time, that's it from me, Vin, your Microbe Messenger, and the rest of the Microbe Mail team. We'll see you again soon with more Contagious Mail.